Thank you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Nicole Claggett, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. I am Jason Kong alongside the lovely Nicole Cleggett, representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions. I'm trying to do my boxer. I, I know. Woo-hoo, I'm here. I'm here. Glad to be here this evening. It's good to see you, Nicole, and I'm excited for the program this evening because we have a return guest, and that is Nancy Stolfo-Corti, and she is a catalyst. I love that title. I know. With Senior Helpers. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about an interesting concept, Nicole, and uh, the, the theme of tonight's segment right now is it takes a village, and we, we hear that with raising children, yeah. but this can also apply to caregiving. You know, it really can, and I really think that's a very healthy way to look at caregiving for um, uh, an older adult or person with a chronic condition because certainly that task is really too much for one person and it's really too much for one family. So I, I feel that and, and I fully agree with Nancy that pulling in the community around you when you're facing a very long journey with a loved one is very healthy and probably quite enriching for that individual. Welcome, Nancy. Well, thank you, Nicole, and thank you, Jason. I'm very happy to be here. A lot of people say it takes a village, and they don't really understand what that means. Mm -hmm. It comes from the African culture, and um, coming from Europe, that kind of bleeds into our society as well. Um, If you're a baby boomer out there, you know your neighborhood. If you were doing something that you weren't supposed to be doing, uh, chances are you even got spanked by a neighbor or something that doesn't happen today. <laughs> yep. I know I did. And you got I, spanked twice as hard by your parents when you got oh home because the neighbor had yes. to spank you. <laughs> yes, yes, that was true. That was true. So I think that that was part of our culture that we just kind of lost. And it does parlay into the caregiving phenomenon because when you are a caregiver, all the, the stressors that – that take to um, help this person that has helped you so much in life get magnified Mm -hmm. because you have lack of sleep, you have lack of time, and everything is just so much greater when if you were given permission to utilize that village that a lot of us used when we were raising our children. I mean, I know I reached out to my sisters Mm -hmm. and friends, but you have to take that step. African cultures often say, um, you know, one hand does not nurse a child. One knee does not raise a child. Mm -hmm. So take that principle and apply it to your caregiving life and, and, you know, get the help that you need. And just as your, your children are seen as a blessing to the community, don't look at your parent or your spouse that's dealing with this chronic condition 
as a deficit. Mm-hmm. They are actually a blessing, too, to the community. They've brought their wisdom. They've brought their contributions. And the community is more than happy to give back. So true. Sense. So true. You know, very simple example is, you know, we're in the process of getting some horses. and oh, good. Yeah. I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, so I've been going to kind of spruce up my riding skills for the last several weeks. And there's a lady that's at the at the barn uh, where, where I'm practicing. And, and she has a 94-year-old dad oh, who nice. um, she's a caregiver for. And she keeps coming up to me and asking me caregiving-related questions. And he's a veteran and from World War II. And, you know, we don't have very many of Not those many left. left. And, and it's very much like people are concerned that it's a, like almost a burden to talk about it. And, and yesterday when I saw her, I said, well, why don't you next time bring him here? Have wow. him come. Yeah. Let him be part of this. You know, let's talk. You know, let's spend an extra few minutes. It's okay. I mean, I don't view that as, you know, you're taking away my time learning this lesson. I would love for him to be part of this day. And I think that is, I think we're willing to do that in this culture. I just think people, we've gotten so guarded with holding all of our personal business to be so personal in the U.S. that we don't reach out. Yeah, and protect it. It's like embarrassing or, oh, I can't take this person's time. or, Or we feel like we have failed, mm-hmm. which I find women want to be everything to everyone. And if they can't do that, they're just like, oh, I'm a failure, you know. And Facebook does not help because oh, no. everyone, it has the fa- it all. everyone has the Facebook, you know, hero when they're probably sitting home and they're a zero. Right, <laughs> right, so right. It, but it really hinders um, your self-esteem and and you feel like this big failure when you're you can't you know deal with a parent or a spouse that has this problem or a sibling and so I think the big thing is just to understand how to find your village and so I have a couple steps that'd be great be, yeah I, I'm a list person <laughs> <laughs> so how to find your village step one you have to lay it all out there. Mm-hmm. Call a girlfriend, call your pastor. If you know no one, and a lot of people co- have come to this area and they don't know anyone, and then they move uh, a loved one into the home, there are a lot of online communities. Mm-hmm. Or just pick up the phone and call AARP. Right. They can connect you with a resource. But what you have to do is go through this, um, this phase of laying it all out there. It's not complaining. Mm-hmm. We, we are raised to think we shouldn't talk about our problems. Yeah. It's not complaining. Or, 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 or we're not given more than we can handle, which is right. a phrase I really don't like. Oh, oh my because, gosh. Oh, God has so much faith in you. <laughs> Look at what he's giving and, you. And you should be able to handle this. Well, yeah. you know what? We're also all put together so that Right. We can lean on each other, I think, too. We're, right. we're, we're pack animals. We're not really meant to be right. we're, nomads. <laughs> no, one has, no one has to go this by, by themselves. But when you lay it all out, like if I came in here and I dumped everything on this desk for you, Nicole, you would say, well, you know what? This piece right here, you could get someone to clean your house mm-hmm. or you could get someone to organize your wine or you could do this and that. So it, the important thing is to lay it all out. And actually, when you've laid it all out there, it looks less daunting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that's the very first step. You have to lay it all out there. The second one is get a lifeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be a friend, a neighbor, a pastor. We're all so busy 
that a lot of times we don't even know that we can let go of that piece of driftwood and actually reach up and someone's going to pull us out of whatever we're in. It's just we don't have permission. And there's a lot of online groups. I know my daughter, when she first moved up here, she was an executive, but she had two small children. And she had lived most of her life up in either Manhattan or in Florida. So she had no community. Mm -hmm. And she has found a group of mothers in Cary Apex area that have been very helpful with handymen and babysitters and dog sitters, everything that she needs. So you take that and you make a plan and you flesh it out and you divvy out everything. And then step three is you start to delegate. Um, We use these... uh, we use delegation in our business. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do. Right. Think of all the things you do, Nicole. Right, right. If you, you didn't have this tribe of people surrounding you mm-hmm. that you could delegate to. Oh, I'd be paralyzed. You'd be paralyzed. Mm-hmm. So you get everything done. Mm-hmm. You are getting it done, but you're getting it done because you've delegated right. out to these people. And if you don't have a person, there's tons of services now. You can get Instacart. Um, I know when I wasn't walking or driving, mm-hmm. I, I felt so bad putting so much on my family. Whatever I could do online, I was ordering stuff. I was having it delivered. And right. it, it was great. It was great. And so there's so many services out there that you can utilize. And then step four, find your village. It could be a support group. It could be volunteer organizations or church organizations. Um, it could be disease-specific resources. AARP has an amazing resource, and I don't know if anyone has a pen or paper out there, but I can give you the number. Uh, This resource is called Prepare to Care. You can go on the AARP website and actually uh, download it in PDF form, or you can request a hard copy. But I have the number here for you, and it's a great resource. It's one 877 333-5885. Again, that's one 5885 And then the last step, there's no shame in asking for help. I am giving you a great big permission slip. (laughs) If you would like, I can pin it to your shirt. Sometimes I write them out in my support groups, and I just say, you have permission mm-hmm. to That's ask right. for help. There's no shame in that. And give, that doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you weak. And give yourself some grace. Um, you know, we're really hard on ourselves. To care for those who once cared for us is one of the highest honors. So don't waste that moment. So if folks want more information about senior helpers and how you may be able to help them, how would they go about doing that? Okay. You can call us at 919 919- Five four four six eight four eight, or you can drop me an email. Um, I am always available. NAC, so that's November Alpha Charlie at seniorhelpers.com. Um, if you don't know where to start, I would suggest either calling Senior Helpers or another in-home care agency. They all offer free assessments. They can come out and It's fresh eyes looking at the problem that you're dealing with every single day. And 
they can look at it and say, you know what? This could be simple if you would just bring the living area all on this first floor. And maybe that's not something you thought of because Mm -hmm. you didn't think of that room as a spare bedroom, but rather a dining room. So that's something that we can really help you with. That's fantastic. She is Nancy Stolfo-Corti. Her title is Catalyst, and she is with Senior Helpers, and she reads phone numbers and email addresses like a pro. That (laughs) phone number again, 919-544-6848. Nice and slow, so everyone listening can get it down. You're perfect at that, Nancy, and we thank you so much for coming in this evening. You are so welcome. Thank you. We got to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680. WPTF, good Saturday evening to you. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett, the lovely Nicole Cleggett representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. We've got two wonderful guests here, and we're going to be talking about something that uh, I, I don't think we've we've discussed on this show before, but maybe not developed a, an entire segment to that. And we're going to be talking about mediation, and we've brought in two folks from the Elder Matters of the Carolinas LLC, and that is Rick Igo and also Hank Strauss. Thank you both so much for coming in this evening. Good to be here. Good to be here. Thanks for having us. So mediation, I think, is a really great topic. Uh, One of the things that we often talk about on this show is that uh, we are such a crisis-driven society, and we really don't deal with the big, ugly mess until it's really a big, ugly mess that we can't ignore anymore. And unfortunately, as people age, it tends to really bring out a lot of the dirty laundry in family situations. I have yet to meet a functional family, my family included. So, um, and you know, when we have crisis in health or financial crisis, it tends to really bring out sometimes not the best in people. And families come to blows. And sometimes these situations really cause the ends of family relationships forever and ever. And I have personally witnessed this and it is truly devastating. So I'm really happy that we're going to talk a little bit about mediation and how that might actually help circumvent one of these types of situations. So let's start off, um, Rick, what exactly is mediation? Well, mediation, uh, I think quite simply, is uh, a negotiation. It can be two people. It can be a whole group. Negotiation, which is facilitated by a neutral, trusted third party Mm -hmm. who can help people have a discussion and hopefully hopefully see each other's viewpoints and help them come to a resolution. You know, I often think of mediation when I have to sign business contracts, and there's always a lovely line in there, well, before you go to attorney, you need to seek a mediator. So this is what I think of in this situation. But obviously, there is a much more practical and personal use to this. Yeah, it's much better when it's not forced. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's a little like forcing the divorcing couple to go through mediation. That's right, exactly. Exactly. so let's talk about a little bit about elder mediation because we're you know some of us may be familiar with the term mediation, uh, but let's talk about how what elder mediation is and how it can help. Well, um, elder medi- mediation is just another form of mediation where um, we help facilitate families who ha- are in conflict when an elder, a parent, usually um, is at a crossroads. Uh, the situation is ripe for for disputes on a host of issues. Mm-hmm. 
So let's let's talk about some problems that are actually addressed with this. Well, it can be anything from uh, maybe you're noticing more dents in the car, mom or dad's car, or both of their cars. Uh, it could be. Uh, we actually like to talk about using it prospectively. Yeah. And you know, if you're if you're if you're an elder and you're starting to do estate planning, bring the whole family together. We can help you have a family discussion about deciding who's going to do what and when and how, and try to anticipate problems. But most times, it seems to be it is a crisis point. Mm-hmm. So maybe dad fell down, broke his hip. Um, maybe mom's just been diagnosed with early onset um, Alzheimer's Mm -hmm. and the family's trying to decide what to do and we bring everybody together and facilitate a discussion about that and you hope that they can come to uh, a mutually agreeable solution. I love that you brought up the whole uh, advanced directives and estate planning piece because uh, we often talk about this and bring in numbers of elder care attorneys from time to time and we talk about the fact that who you pick to represent you in your health care wishes and your financial wishes is so important and not feeling like you have to pick the person you feel like you have to pick but pick the right person for the job but then another thing that i think will would really allay a lot of these issues is then don't keep it a secret oh because (laughs) i have seen this and you know it's a sudden shock when all of a sudden you know this one daughter or son thought that they were going to be the one handling this and then when it turns out the crisis happens it's a different one and then boy things can get ugly and and that's that's what brings on the need for mediation. It's usually um, when siblings yeah. um, don't see eye to eye. You know, one, one is local and a caretaker, and the other may be a power of attorney in California. Mm-hmm. They're not going to always see things the same way. Right. So and I would say, uh, well, two aspects of mediation that can help with what I say are communication problems are we can help have the communication at that moment that maybe the family couldn't have on their own and second by going through mediation we help model them for future uh, interactions so we help them learn a way to speak to each other and share information further down the road so I guess one of the things that I'm, I'm wondering about and I have never actually had to go through mediation personally but I, I would suspect that typically one family member will call for help and say gee we need help for this situation how do you make it so that the rest of the family doesn't feel like you are on that individual's side and it's not, you know, very adversarial. Because I'm sure that that probably is an issue. Oh, well, you know, this is just going to go your way because you called this company. That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, our process involves asking the person who initiates the call to give us the names and contacts of all the stakeholders. And without charge, we call each and every one of them and spend a good amount of time. I would well imagine getting an earful. Oh, my. Well, we don't really necessarily get into yeah. the details, but we really want people to understand what it is that we do and what they would be signing up to do and try to get them on board. And that really is half the challenge because mm-hmm. when we get people to the table, there's going to be some forward movement. It's mm-hmm. getting people to the table that is um, the critical piece. But, Nicole, you, you raise an essential um, element of the training and I think the skill involved in being a mediator is that in any sort of mediation you need to be neutral the mediator needs to be neutral and impartial neutral meaning um, uh, you're not involved in what the decision-making is you help them decide what they want to do so you're not influencing them on the outcome and impartial means you don't take sides and if it's two people or if it's a family group or even um, if it's a, a, a civic group that you're helping facilitate a decision-making, that's an essential part to be sure that you're 
letting them know you're not taking sides. So we start that from the beginning. We strive and we're trained to be um, uh, neutral and impartial and to project that to people and help them understand that. And, and later on in the process, we do more extensive interviews with all the stakeholders and we find out what the issues are and we develop a topic list and that list is without attribution. So no one is associated with a particular problem. It's out there for discussion. So I guess one of the things I'm wondering about is, you know, how do you become a mediator? I mean, what can people expect from the skill set of the individual that does the mediation? Well, both Rick and I are certified by um, the state. Rick is a very experienced mediator. Why don't you why don't you um, you want to hear my us, history? Yeah, it's, 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 he's one of the... Uh, I'm also an attorney, okay. and when I was in school, uh, law school at UNC Chapel Hill, I was in the criminal law clinic there in my third year in Hillsborough, North Carolina, and uh, there was a group of people there doing mediation from Dispute Settlement Center uh, in Carborough, and I was impressed with the work they did. If I knew if my clients could get involved with them, they could often have the, the charges dropped and dismissed if they could come to resolution. Uh, and so after I graduated, I did my first training almost 30 years ago and began mediating as a volunteer with them and worked from there to become certified with the uh, Dispute Resolution Commission here in North Carolina. And um, both Hank and I do different kinds of mediation other than elder mediation, but this is a particular focus that we have. That is the voice of Rick Igo, and we are also speaking with Hank Strauss, and we're going to continue our conversation with them. Both gentlemen are from the Elder Matters of the Carolinas, LLC, and we're going to continue our conversation on mediation right after this. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care here on News Radio 680 WPTF. You can find more about Transitions Life Care at transitionslifecare.org. Org. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. We have two guests here in the studio. They are with Elder Matters of the Carolinas, LLC. We've got Rick Igo. He's a mediator and attorney at law. And we also have Hank Strauss, who's a mediator as well. And surprisingly enough, we're talking about the topic of mediation, Nicole. And, uh, you know, we've, we've covered exactly what this is and who it might benefit. But I, I think it might help uh, the audience relate a little bit if we've hear some stories of you know what's gone on what a uh, successful mediation and uh i'm sure that uh hank and rick you guys have uh, experienced some um some pleasant situations and some not so pleasant situations some colorful it's, ones i'm sure yeah, yeah of course <laughs> for sure and i know i could certainly think of many a time um that mediators have been called in to serve older adults and their families throughout my career as well but want to hear from you sort of what types of um situations do you actually work with typically what are the more common situations that come up well let's see um the example that i gave earlier where um there is a caretaker who has been working with a mom who's start in the early phases of dementia without she, the, the daughter doesn't have the power of attorney or the health care power of attorney and the she, there are two brothers neither of whom trust 
the caretaker, mm -hmm. and there one is in north and one is south, and she's left to make decisions. Got to watch out for those Yankees like me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we do. <laughs> oh. uh, no. So um, that's just you know that's just a very very difficult situation. I want to say one thing else about mediation, which is true in almost all the kinds of mediations that we do. Going in, almost invariably, we hear, this will never work. This will never oh, yeah. settle. Yeah, that's right. And invariably, almost, you know, a good amount of the time, I won't say all the time, but an overwhelming percentage of the time, it does work. Mm -hmm. It's, a, it's a, just a, a transformative process, which I really believe in. This is my second career, and I'm really, I really do believe strongly in it. So I guess uh, one of the scenarios that I can see this really helping is, and, and I'm sure this would have to be a really fast get involved situation, is really sort of at the bedside when that person suddenly has a life li limiting diagnosis and family is at odds to, you know, do we continue extraordinary measures to keep them going versus, you know, do we try to make them comfortable? And, and people have different opinions about what mom would have wanted. Talk to me a little bit about that. Uh, well, I, I think we haven't dealt with that situation yet. I think we mm -hmm. could certainly help, but we haven't had uh, um, that particular situation uh, presented to us to deal with. Mm -hmm. um, we're prepared to go forward if necessary. Um, and we can, we can tell you about other situations sure. we dealt with. And I'm just realizing we, we omitted an essential part of mediation when we described it as confidentiality. Right. And that's critical. And it's uh, confidential to the whole group who's mediating. And then if we have individual conversations with, with family members, that's also confidential. We don't reveal information unless they permit us to do that. Mm -hmm. So we have to be a bit vague when we're talking about the cases uh, that we've dealt with, so on and so forth. Sure. Um, but would you like, I can give you another example, um, Hank, one but sure um, yeah that'd be great um, we had a situation where an out-of-town sibling uh, and and several others were concerned about uh, a local sibling in North Carolina who was living with mom mm -hmm. dad had passed away and mom had a certain amount of property mm. that um, they were concerned that seemed to be dwindling and um, they wanted they want to talk to the sibling about they want to have a conversation and they had tried from being out of town on the telephone and it just wasn't working and so that's something that we are ideally set up to do is to get mom and the rest of the family together and have a conversation about that and see what what's going on and so it's the communication aspect and then coming to some resolution about it going forward so I wonder, um, do you often work, and I know uh, attorneys, by the nature of what you do, are mediators in, in, in a lot of respects, but do you work a lot of times hand-in-hand -hand with law firms to kind of help families when they're working on estate planning? Um, they're more of a re referral source yeah. for us. Uh, there is one attorney who has a menu of options for his clients, one of which is mediation. <laughs> and... Um, for that, there's an hour that we would devote to just explaining what it is and see if it's a fit. Mm -hmm. Great. So let's talk about the process. How does this work? All right. So you call us. Mm -hmm. um, you I tell you about my ruckus. You, 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 you describe the situation. <laughs> yeah. We're going we're gonna to ask you who the stakeholders are mm -hmm. and how to contact them and how to contact them. Because you know it may be that you want to call ahead of us and explain that you're going to be getting this call, mm -hmm. and we will, without charge, spend usually a half an hour or so 
explaining what the process is to each of the stakeholders and try to get them on board. That is a most essential first step mm -hmm. and maybe the most difficult. Mm -hmm. um, once we've achieved that, we have everybody sign up and agreed. We conduct extensive interviews, usually just one of us, and get a feel for the tenor, the dynamics of the family. Mm -hmm. And if with the elder, we would try, if possible, to visit personally, because mm -hmm. telephones often don't work. Yeah. Once we have all of that information, Rick and I will get together mm -hmm. and come up with a game plan, with an agenda and a topic list and so forth. And we will set that out. We'll, we'll send it out to all of the stakeholders. We'll offer some dates and places. Place, the place is very key. Yeah, you don't want to do it in someone's turf, right? Well, generally you, want to, you want to do it where some, we sort of lend a little bit more weight to what the elder needs. Right, right. It has to be a place where the elder is comfortable, can see, can hear, and right. so forth. And um, we, we established a list of topics given to us by the stakeholders without attribution as to who mm -hmm. provided those issues. Mm -hmm. And then we work to develop an agenda for a meeting where everybody gets together and the two of us co-mediate. It can be a day long, it can be two days, however long wow. it takes. And um, we, it is a process whereby the family makes their own decisions. We facilitate that. Mm -hmm. And we um, suggest and allow them to come up with their ground rules, which are very important. Mm -hmm. um, ground rules meaning who can talk when. Yeah, no um, name calling. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no name calling. No idea is a bad idea. That kind of, of, what yeah. kind of language is acceptable? You right. know, some families are very ribald. Yeah. Is that the right word? Yeah. And, and <laughs> others aren't. So, but yeah. it's up to them. Yeah. And we'll, we'll ask, you know, um, if someone violates your ground rules, what role would you like us to play? Yeah. Would you like us to say, well, yeah, wait a minute, yeah, you're yeah, interrupting yeah. here. She, yeah, you know, yeah. um, Nancy talking, was talking. Stick around. <laughs> well, that's a, that's, we were talking about, we, we were trying to learn more about that uh -huh. process, the yeah. circle process, because we process. think it might be a very good one yep. for us to yep. use. We're, we're actually considering oh. that. <laughs> so I make fun, but I. No, like, I think it's a great process. Yeah. So yeah. We, we, may, we may do that. Cool. Um, so we, we try to address one issue at a time. Mm -hmm. um, we have what we call the consensus model. Mm -hmm. So once we have a good discussion and everybody's interests are ad identified, we say, well, okay, well, what, what do you propose? Mm -hmm. And we let people just, you know, um, blue sky, mm -hmm. brainstorm solutions. And um, the consensus model allows various uh, degrees of consent mm -hmm. and um, very de various degrees of I can't live with it. Mm -hmm. Um, and everybody has to at least be able to live with it for mm -hmm. it to be a consensus. And if they don't, um, then what do you propose as mm -hmm. an alternative? That's, that's true. It's sort of a veto model, but if you veto, you're required to propose something new. You can't just say, I can't do that. Yeah. You say, well, okay, what, what can you do? What do you think will work right. in its place? Interesting. So let's talk a little bit about your company, and then um, I think we'll be out of time. Yeah. How do people get a hold of you if they're interested in uh, needing some help with mediation? Well, we have a website. Um, what is our website? <laughs> Eldermatters.org. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and that's probably the best, easiest way to get 
get to us. Or you could uh, email uh, info at eldermatters.org or hank at eldermatters.org or rick at eldermatters.org. Awesome. Easy enough. Eldermatters.org is the website. Again, eldermatters.org. I want to thank Rick Igo and Hank Strauss, both with Elder Matters of the Carolinas LLC, for coming in and joining us this evening to discuss mediation. We're taking a quick break, and we'll be back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. With your co-host, Nicole Claykett, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, it's that time again. We need to highlight some of our special friends at Transitions Life Care. And we are going to be talking about community engagement. And to do that, uh, I thought that we should bring in the community engagement representative for well, that, Transitions Life Care. Well, that makes Life a lot care. of sense. Doesn't it? Yes, Doesn't it, it does. I'm you pers- get a gold star for that one. <laughs> I, I think I deserve a medal for this one. I think a big so. medal. Um, and well, uh, the community engagement representative for Transitions Life Care, our returning guest, Rich Gwaltney. Rich, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me again. You know, uh, Transitions Life Care it is so multifaceted and it has so many amazing offerings, not just the direct patient care aspects with the hospice care, the palliative care, the home health, the in-home care, the grief care, the uh, kids program, but really... The base of all that is providing education to the community about how to handle and have conversations when life kind of hits you with a chronic illness or potentially a life-limiting illness. And so I know that you have been spending the last several years developing quite a menu of services, so to speak, of offerings that are actually available to the community at no charge to really help people open up some conversations. Absolutely. You know, when I uh, became a part of this greater conversation about end-of-life care and uh, aging, uh, you know, it's interesting. My background has been more in the nonprofit field, whether that be education, ministry, spiritual care. Uh, I tell people uh, by saying that I've worked in the nonprofit field for 27 years, that's like saying I've done a lot of things in a lot of places for not a lot of money. And uh, not that I'm complaining, but, you know, I, I, I think about what we do and what I've done uh, as part of, you know, finding my place in telling our organization story, you know, was, was a journey. Uh, having not a lot of health and medical background, coming in the front door and just wrapping my head, my heart, my hands around not just memorizing stats and figures and facts, that's important, but really getting at the core of what Transitions Life Care was all about. What does a hospice do? And then I found out there's so much more there. And I, and I talk about, uh, really, we, we went down this path of how do we <laughs> dispel what I call myth understandings. Uh, there's myths and misunderstandings about what a hospice is and does. And you know, as I started to realize it had more to do with life and living than death and dying, we started to refocus our philosophy of engagement to say, well, how do we create a place to engage audiences, not to just present them with a, you know, open up the fire hydrant and just let all the information out, but how do we engage them in the conversations about the things that matter the most 
with the people that matter the most. Because philosophically, we think about uh, if it has more to do with life and living than death and dying, how do we help people in the community live a life where you leave uh, nothing unfinished, unsaid, or undone? And that's hard to capture in a spreadsheet. It's hard to do (laughs) in an eight-county area. But the idea was, the ethos behind it was, uh, there are things that matter the most to you and to us, and we want to help you live according to those priorities. So, so yes, we created uh, an extended menu uh, that helps you know people uh, create a place for that uh, those conversations, whether it's in their faith community, a wellness program, a family night at a at an assisted living facility, anywhere. A rotary I would say, club, I'm guessing. Exactly, those types of things. rotary clubs. I've spoken in some pretty amazing areas that I didn't think would invite a speaker in to speak. Uh, but it's just, uh, again, when you start to think of it as life and living and, and those priorities, everyone has them. Uh, and we tend to put off a conversation about wanting to see what a hospice does and what it doesn't do and what it's all about. We try to avoid that like we want to avoid death which is understandable. But when we move that back long before someone would need hospice, uh, you know, I've worked with students primarily most of my 27 years prior to this seven uh, at Transitions Life Care. And I just tell people now I have a much older youth group. (laughs) They're they're my age and up. But the idea, though, is we all have priorities. So how do we how do we live that life? And, and, And some of these uh, uh, community engagement resources are are there to create that place and it's a safe place that if people want to go off menu and ask questions because they know we're from transitions it gives them a nice platform and a place to do that so tell me uh, what are some of the most popular offerings that you provide out into the community for those listening who might have their interest sure beat? well you know when that when i think about the story we want to tell we love telling our story, TL101. Now, we were started, founded 40 years ago this year in 1979, and that's that's really our signature dish. If you're looking at a menu, we we love to cook that's that up. That's the one with the star next to it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Chef's Gluten special. Gluten-free option, perhaps? Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny to use that illustration because that really does depict what people think about. Uh, when you think about if you're in a group in a community and you want a speaker, um, you don't think when you think hospice, that's a heavy item on a menu. Yeah, that, that you, makes people step back. That's like Limburger cheese on the exactly. menu. Exactly, <laughs> and it's heavy. Maybe they don't have an appetite. Maybe you have an aversion to talking yeah. about those things. It's just too much. So we created this menu that kind of had some lighter options that were again more life focused. Uh, maybe you want to go right to the dessert menu and just get something that's going to make you feel good. Uh, so what we started to do is um, we expanded from the TL 101 uh, overview of who we are, what we do, our story. Uh, we have a lot of conversations about advanced directives, uh, making our priorities and wishes known about our health care uh, in case we're unable to make those decisions for ourselves. Um, as that's expanded, we've uh, we found books uh, by best-selling authors where uh, I jokingly tell people it's kind of like Oprah's book club. You have to imagine I'm Oprah, minus a few billion dollars. Uh, <laughs> a little less hair, too. A little less hair. <laughs> um, and there are no uh, no giveaways under your chair. I don't pay off anyone's mortgages oh, <laughs> or uh, send you to my favorite places. But the idea is we're not trying to sell some of these books. Uh, we actually don't even bring them. Uh, what we really are trying to do is to take a subject matter written by specialists and create it in, um, deliver it in a creative fashion that allows people to, to you know, get exposed to what's uh, in the contents of the book. So book discussions, uh, one called The Four Things That Matter Most, which deal with those matters of importance in our lives. 
uh, you know, people we need to forgive, people we need to seek forgiveness from, uh, people could use an expression of love from us, people we'd like to thank. And again, that theme of trying to leave a life where nothing's unfinished. Um, and then that sprung into uh, really discussions on the book and the documentary called Being Mortal by Dr. Atul Gawande. Again, just a, a chance to show the documentary and then have a discussion based on the feedback from that. Uh, we also do talks on uh, understanding grief and loss, of course. That's a specialty of ours, both in our grief department as well as for community engagement. Uh, other conversations include, uh, you know, again, we've, we've actually helped with the historic Oakwood Cemetery years ago to start the, for some of the first death cafes in the area, uh, which they've kept going on a consistent basis. And we, uh, we offer that actually kind of death cafe in a box to talk about our mortality in a box, <laughs> in a box oh funny enough, not a coffin shaped box but i do have one of those uh but the idea is to talk about you know having conversations about life and death but all surrounded by good comfort foods and and uh just uh, to kind of set that conversation at ease and uh, and that sprung board into as well just many other uh con- you know conversations uh based on dvds uh, consider the conversation series part one and two uh, there's other uh, you know other you know conversations encouraging the heart of a caregiver uh, has been one that we've seen a lot of mileage from because of the caregiving needs in our community um, one that's very close to my heart one that was chasing me for about 32 years now and I started chasing it back is one called life story and that's uh, really taking a look at your life through the lens of a story uh, walking in the way of a storyteller and just trying to gain meaning and purpose and really to look at your legacy and your legends and how that's really helped to further understand your life's journey. So, so yeah, there are a lot of, uh, a lot of options. Uh, you know, there are some, some options on that menu, like any other restaurant that they pair well together. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Is it a red or a white today? Exactly. <laughs> but, exactly. But yeah. I mean, and I think it's just fabulous that um, Transitions Life Care has really put uh, some breath and life behind really trying to take that time to educate the community. Well, you know, you're, you're not going there to try to get a referral for business. You're really just trying to go there to open up a conversation to be a storyteller. So this is not a typical speaking engagement where you have, you know, 75 PowerPoint slides. It really is a very engaged audience having a conversation. And we're, we've been so impressed by these talks. We've often asked Rich to come in and, and talk at our caregiver summits as well, because they are truly very well received. So if folks want to connect with you and have you come in and speak to one of their community groups, how would they go about and do that? There are a couple of ways. Of course, you call into our, uh, our main number. You can go to transitionslifecare.org. <laughs> And you will see under the community engagement tabs there uh, contact information as well. Uh, there is a new uh, email address called connect uh, at transitionslifecare.org. Connect? Connect at transitionslifecare.org. And that'll go directly to myself and, uh, and our community engagement department to where we can field those requests, to, to which, of course, we like to, you know, we like to tailor to your needs. And some of that uh, has to do with time. Uh, some of that has to do with location and, and, and audience. And, you know, one thing we've really enjoyed about having a menu is that we've noticed, just like any menu, some people like to choose, like uh, going to Panera, they like to pick two or three. And, <laughs> and we encourage people to plan a series uh, to where we can come back 
uh, week after week, two, three, four, five-part series we've done in the past, it allows us to go deeper in relationship and create even a broader place to have those talks. Transitionslifecare.org is the website there. You can view the full menu that Rich has been uh, referencing there. And you can also email connect at transitionslifecare.org. Rich Gwaltney, Community Engagement Representative for Transitions Life Care. Thank you so much for joining us. We're out of time for today. On behalf of Nicole Cleggett, I'm Jason Kong. Thanking you for listening this evening. We'll hope you'll join us again next Saturday evening at 7 for Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a wonderful night. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. For more information, log on transitionslifecare.org.